Hi, welcome to Tales from Second Street. I'm your host, Doug Scott. We're broadcasting from an island off the coast of southern New Jersey, and we hope to bring you stories about the real lives of real people like you and me. Maybe not ripped from the headlines. We don't want that, right? Gosh sakes. <laughs> but dramatic enough in their own right. Enjoy. There's an expression that comes from a Cornish prayer that goes something like this. From ghoulies and ghosties and long-legged beasties and things that go bump in the night. Good Lord, deliver us. Well, to me, things that go bump in the night usually means mice, burglars, or ghosts. I'm more concerned about burglars than mice or ghosts. Mice carry the plague, of course, you know that, right, from history? But some of my friends carried COVID and refused to wear masks. So, I'm actually more afraid of them than mice. Ghosts generally don't use crack or heroin like a lot of burglars. So, I'm kind of like less afraid of the former than the latter. Maybe I should include teenagers in my list of creatures that I fear in the night. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why. A while ago, my wife and I both had one of those crazy, crazy busy stretches where, you know, it seems like your employers set out to try to murder you. At the time, our kids were all teenagers, so they were out of the stage where Kelly and I were their chief means of entertainment and were busy with pretty much their own activities. During the week, we usually met up at dinner. We eyeballed them to make sure they had no unusual visible growths on their faces or limbs, or were limping or infirm in any obvious way. And we caught up on all the drama that was afflicting them. As I listened, I wondered how many times their friends Kenny and Janice could break up in a semester. And why did my oldest kid's BFF, Stephanie, always fall? for her steady Jason, for Jason's routine that he left his wallet in his locker and now she had to pay for their meal at Mickey D's. <laughs> anyway, their friends just kept repeating the same crap over and over, complaining, moaning, and reportedly often on the verge of hysteria. How did they have time to do any academics was our question. My wife and I saw parallels, though, in the behavior of some of our friends, but their issues usually ended up in a lawyer's office. After dinner, we generally left the kids to their ongoing argument over whose turn it was to do the dishes, while we relaxed before concerns and questions about some burgeoning personal or homework issue needed attention. As I mentioned, this particular evening was at the tail end of a hectic, hectic day for both of us. So, not long after dinner and the other housekeeping matters associated with life with three teenagers were resolved, we collapsed in bed and fell instantly into a deep sleep. We lived in this century-old tenant house that well, it was once part of the estate of one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. No kidding. Well, it was pretty much of a dump when we moved in, you know, it was it was not really cared for, so. 
But anyways, we bought it primarily because it was situated on a few acres of combination woods and former farmland. My wife Kelly and I were in a back-to-the-earth space at that time and saw the potential for growing our own vegetables and having chickens and goats for eggs and milk. It was, you know, it, the idea is always good, right? We thought the whole self-sufficiency routine would serve as a living parable for our kids as they plied their way into adulthood. We had a little two-bit farm stand with a scale by the side of the road and we taught the kids how to weigh tomatoes, count change, and other kind of low-tech lessons in commerce. They learned math skills and people wrangling skills. They learned about nice people and nasty people who, <laughs> it's awful, but we referred to them as trogs, and that was short for troglodytes. You know, have you ever heard of that term? Well, it's a fancy schmancy term for horses patoots, actually. As young kids in their roles as farm stand workers, they relished their sense of parity with adults. Their experiences with the public enabled them to develop problem-solving skills early on that really has served them well as they grew up as resilient and pretty well-socialized individuals. Oddly enough, even after having us as parents, you know, anyways, <laughs> they also tended to be independent thinkers. If there was a problem with no apparent practical solution, they were able to design a workaround Sometimes outrageous, but sometimes brilliant, and still pretty much outrageous. Getting back to the evening in question, Kelly and I were so whipped that we dropped into bed in a stupor and quickly became functionally comatose. I think that would be an oxymoron, wouldn't it? Functionally comatose. But anyway, we were pretty damn tired. At some point in the night, a strange sound woke me. It was like that whispery, urgent sound that you hear in movies about hauntings and ghosts and things like that. It was like whispering, whispering. Multitude of whispers. And they whisper and they talk about who knows what, ghost stuff. But anyway, that's what I heard. I wondered if I had one of those vivid dreams we experience in REM sleep, you know? And, and maybe my unconscious was bubbling to the surface, bringing fragments of the dream with it. I lay there for a while, listening for it, but I didn't hear anything, so I assumed it must be remnants of a dream, so I rolled over and hoped I'd be able to get back to sleep. It was only one o'clock in the morning. I'd closed my eyes when, wait, there it was again terrifying, sub-vocal whispering, eerie. But this time, I could discern barely audible laughter. Now this made the hair in the back of my neck stand up and salute. Oh my God, I thought, what the frick is going on? Then, in an instant, a dim light emanated from under our closet door. I said, oh my God, here they come. I rubbed my eyes and checked my watch. It was, now it was quarter after one in the morning. What the hell? Are we going all Amityville up in this piece? I was shaking when I yelled, Who's there? 
Kelly, who had so far been asleep through this, and oh, Kelly could typically sleep through a tornado, bolted upright when I yelled, and in her semi-conscious, wide-eyed state of terror screamed, Yeah, what's the matter? What's the matter? Well, I think my heart literally stopped beating at that moment. Her screeching scared the living crap out of me. When Kelly screeched, the closet door then flew open, and in the dim light of their flashlights emerged our son Rand and his best buddy Mitch. They were terrified by Kelly's yelling and rushed over to us screaming, What's the matter? What's the matter? While sitting up in bed and in confused unison, Kelly and I shouted, What's the matter? What in hell are you two doing in our closet at one o'clock in the morning is the matter? Well, I don't think either of us, in the haze of sudden awakening, anticipated anything approaching a rational explanation from these two clowns. Since Rand was our son, and until this incident at least a resident, he answered first. He shined his flashlight on Kel and me as he began speaking, and I yelled, Turn on the lights! Then he went to the doorway and flipped the light switch, and since most of what transpired occurred in darkness, the light going on was like a bolt of lightning. We were all blinded. Can you picture this? I mean, seriously, can you picture this scene? Madness. Rand began the tale by apologizing for waking us. Mitch said, yeah, Mom and Dad, we're sorry. Mom and Daddy called us because, you know, I don't know what it was all about, but most of the kids who invaded our home back then dispensed with Mr. and Mrs. and went directly to Mom and Dad when addressing us. I thought it was a little weird because I'm kind of like a traditional old fart kind of guy. But heck, it was better than them calling us Joe and Kelly, I thought, you know? I said, all right, you should be sorry. I could have had a heart attack for Pete's sake. Kelly said, all right, you apologized. But what were you doing in our closet? And Mitch, what are you still doing here at this hour? Rand continued his story. And it was some ridiculous thing about making a video and needing some costumes. Kelly said, costumes? Our clothes? My clothes? Costumes? Mitch jumped in. No, Mom, he said. No, Mom. No, 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 not you. Dad. Dad's ties. Rand said, Dad has a bunch of weird-looking ties, and he thought they'd be cool in the video. Not your stuff, Mom. Oh, no, no, no. Not the same pleading in his voice as he referred to my neckwear as a bunch of weird ties. I wondered what was so weird about my ties. I always thought they were pretty nice. Oh, the damn kids, what do they know about ties anyway? Rand was trying to mitigate the impact of Mitch's unfortunate use of the descriptive adjectives regarding my ties. All of a sudden, Mitch hollered, smoke, smoke, and spun and bolted out of the bedroom door. Kelly and I looked at each other. Rand stuttered, gotta go, and he followed Mitch down the stairs. I said out loud, what the hell is going on now? With all the screaming and the boys crashing down the stairs, our girls, Chris and Sue, woke up, and they were standing bleary-eyed in our doorway. Kelly and I were out of bed by this time and heading to the stairway. The girls in unison said, What's going on, Dad? Chris asked, Did I hear Mitch yelling smoke? 
Dad, is there a fire? What's Mitch doing here in the middle of the night anyway? I said, Chrissy, stop with the questions already. Get moving. We all dashed downstairs, and then we saw Mitch heading out of the kitchen with a pitcher of water. We followed him to the patio where Rand was enveloped in blinding clouds of acrid smoke billowing from the barbecue grill. You, you just can't imagine this surreal scene. It was really hard to take all of this in. Anyway, Rand, I yelled, what are you doing? It's the steak, he moaned. I burned the damn steak. Mitch hopped over to the grill and began pouring water on the flaming lumps on the grates. Burned the steak, I said, at one o'clock in the morning? What are you talking about? By this time, Rand was practically in tears. He went on, we... Dad, we were working on the video and got hungry, so I went down to the freezer and got two fillets and decided to grill them outside so you and Mom wouldn't smell the smoke and we got into your closet looking for ties and I forgot about the steaks and they all burned up. Kelly looked at me and rolled her eyes. The girls were wide awake and giggling by now, so Kel said, Come on, girls, we have a game tomorrow. Let's get back to bed. Sue said, Boy, am I hungry. The fire stoked my appetite. Can we have a hamburger? <laughs> Kelly laughed and shook her head. Chris said, Mom, how about if I make us some popcorn? Can I? Can I, please? Sue said, Yeah, Mom, please. Kelly laughed and the three girls headed back into the house and out to the kitchen. I was left on the deck with the burglars turned arsonists. I told Rand to go fill up the pitcher and bring it back out. And while he left, Mitch said, please, Dad, it was an accident. It was as much my fault as Rand's. I pitched some snark and said, oh, Mitch, you wouldn't kid me, would you? Do you think I ever doubted that you were in on this? I know it was a group effort. Rand came out with the pitcher of water, and I told Mitch to use the tongs to put what was left of my expensive fillets in the water to stop the smoke. I turned off the gas, checked for anything burning on the fire pan under the grill. Satisfied, all was well, I closed the lid, and as I was about to launch into a Sunday come-to-meetin' oratory, Kelly and the girls came out on the deck with two giant bowls of popcorn. Kelly was oddly cheerful. I, I, I didn't get it. She smiled and said, come on, you guys. Come on, have some corn with us. We made some for you. This was a welcome diversion from what I was planning to say to the perpetrators of this ulcer builder. We joined the girls and sat around the table munching and eventually laughing. Soon we all sat wordlessly and mindlessly staring and munching. We were all pretty much tapped out. And Morpheus, the god of sleep, was beginning to flex his muscles. Rejoining our interrupted sleep in a comfortable bed was top of mind. At least for this guy. Popcorn consumed, we trooped back into the house and to our respective sleep chambers. Mitch would stay over tonight as he often did, and as we headed upstairs to bed, the events of this early morning waking nightmare ran through my mind. Damn boys. I thought, gosh, what a couple of presumptuous buggers they are. I had a laugh, though. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine filet mignon for a snack at one o'clock in the morning? Can you imagine? What happened to peanut butter sandwiches? <laughs>
I hope these two clowns develop lucrative careers is all I gotta say. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Our tale comes to a screeching halt. Remember, everyone's life is a collection of stories like this. Think about it. It may not seem so as you're digging out of a hairy situation, but it is. It's a story, and you know what? It's worth repeating, and it's worth hearing. Thanks for listening, and let us know what you think. Like us on Facebook, and drop us a note if you care to it. Doug's Second Street at gmail.com. I'm going to fix that one of these days. D O U G S, the number two, N D S T at gmail.com. Be safe, everyone, and until next time, take care of yourselves.